That is Beard, the Gay Dad Podcast with Alex Megan and Young Dickel. Hello and welcome to the 100th episode of Daddy Squared, the Gay Dads Podcast. I'm Alex. And I'm Jan. No, really, it is. It's the, right? It is, isn't yes. it? This is amazing to me. I just want to say that, like, we've been doing this for five years now of our children's lives, and I love the fact that this has been part of our lives with them for all this time, and hopefully with a bunch of you. And of course, I want to say thank you to my husband, who has been the executive oh. producer and the everything of this podcast from the beginning. Just a footnote that it's the 100th episode, but it's including the 30 Dads in 30 Days project that we did, which is like shorter, so it's not like a longer... Does that mean it's 130 episodes or that it's actually 70. seven? No, no, it's 100. Okay. Each, I have to tell you, I actually preferred those episodes of this podcast to almost everything else. They were amazing. Those of you who Short haven't listened... Yeah, it's like 15 or 20 minutes. Check episodes. them out. They were really lovely. Uh, that was at the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, today, we're dropping two episodes at the same time. It's a double episode. We're dropping yes. them. Surprise. <laughs> so just to celebrate two episodes. So it's not going to be like one long and daunting episode. It's um, going um. to be divided as it was originally planned as two right. episodes. This is the first of these two. Um, and I'm very excited because we've never done this before. Like we never recorded two at the same time and, you know, drop them. I wonder whether we're going to have a huge fight by the end of the recording of the second episode. I don't think? think so. Let's see what happens. Um, so one of the people in a group therapy, you know that I've been going to group therapy. No shit. I love how he's saying that to me as if I don't know. Yes. <laughs> so I've been going to a group, yes. gay group therapy and, and I think it's very valuable. Uh, anyway, so one of the people in the group has a new boyfriend. He just moved in. Are um, we really supposed to be talking about this? No, but here's the here's the <laughs> thing. So what we talked about it last last time is that um, he was worried because him and his boyfriend yes. don't have mutual taste in TV yes. and movies. And he did you explain to him how it works? Yes. <laughs> well, it's a new relationship, right? right? And each of them is afraid to uh, emerge to the others person taste because yes. you know they they're afraid to lose themselves in their yeah, themselves no, in just a relationship lose yourself just freaking lose yourself but it's yourself. not really that i think that you stay with your taste it's just that you yes but you subvert it for the taste of your of your boyfriend or husband um i am saying this moderately bitterly because i am the one who has basically given my life over to movies with j-lo in them i, I mean, knew you're gonna mention well, j-lo i true. knew that's why here's the surprise i went this morning to J-Lo's filmography and <laughs> listed down, took away all of her wedding movies. No. So I'm going to say it in the list. You, why okay. don't you sing it? My taste in movies is J-Lo wedding movies, basically. We, we say it like it's a journal term for what it is. Romantic comedies. Yes. Um, and Alex's, or as I call them, vomcoms. <laughs> and uh, Alex's taste in music is boring Holocaust documentaries. <laughs> That's nice. So, That's really um, nice. Not just Holocaust so documentary. Here's the list. Okay. All right. Here's the list of JLo wedding movies from the last one going backwards. Okay. We're going back in time. Yes, so the first one is Shotgun Wedding. That's yeah. the last one. Mm. Marry Me. Mm. Second Act. Oh the Backup Plan. <laughs> Monster in Law. <laughs> Made in Manhattan. <laughs> and The Wedding Planner. 
That's, that's it? All. How right. can that be? Okay. I think that it happened because the last two came out in the last year. So it turns, so it seems like she's releasing them like in, in a bunch. Like, she's, <laughs> like Alex is always joking that she is filming mo- all of them at the same time, basically. Yeah. And then they're going to be released. I think she filmed all of them when she was 28 because she, God, God bless her. She still looks <laughs> amazing. Daddy Square, the Gay Dads Podcast. Today we're going to talk about gay dads stereotypes. Um, there are bad stereotypes uh, from homophobes that we all know. Yes. Uh, but there also there are other types of stereotypes um, from moms and even the gay community itself and how they perceive us as gay dads. We're going to try to cover all of it. Yeah. Um, our guest today is Neil Braverman. He's the print editorial director of Pride Media, publishers of The Advocate and Out magazines with 20 years of journalism experience. He's a dad of two. And he made the news himself, unfortunately, having a homophobic incident on an Amtrak train oh, yeah. last year. Yeah, I like that we have journalists on the show. Uh, well, because the alternative is just J-Lo, J-Lo, J-Lo all the time. And yes, I'm... I'm, I'm, no, I'm my life don't cost a thing. <laughs> but I just want to say that um, from the nature of their job, they have encountered so many stories. And I love that they bring it with them when they talk. Like I That's true. And also, I think the journalists, the good ones anyway, have a tendency when they experience something to absorb details and surroundings that maybe the rest of us do not. And I felt that way during the interview. Yeah. So um, we're going to go over the stereotypes with him. So let's hear the interview now yeah. and, and go back and talk about let's it. Let's do okay, it. Let's do it. Hello, Neil. Hello. So nice to have you with us today. We're going to talk about uh, stereotypes of uh, gay dads. And just in full disclosure, we have kind of a secret goal to this episode. Okay. <laughs> it's a hidden agenda. <laughs> Well, I I really would like that our discussion today, first of all, validate some of the feelings that uh, gay dads perceive people feel about us. Um, We want people will understand that they're not alone. We also try to advocate authenticity, which most most likely means uh, imperfection. Yeah. Authenticity amongst gay men? <laughs> so That's outrageous. The reason we brought you here, by the way, is that because you're an editor of The Advocate mm-hmm. and Out magazines, mm-hmm. so you ran into a lot of stories about gay men, gay dads, and I want to ask you from, your, from all the stories and your experience and everything, do you feel that uh, gay dads feel pressure to represent themselves as perfect even more than straight moms for example yeah i think so i think i think we're there's a lot of judgment heaped on us all the time and uh it's a little uh disconcerting when you first become a parent because um you know i I, speaking from my own experience when i'm with my my kid or my kids um first off my children look different than me they're they're different races Mm. um and so I get a lot of people just kind of confused and, and just most of them are just trying to figure things out. Like, wait, is that the dad? Is that the uncle? Is that a Yeah, they try to put us into a box. Yeah. Right. They're just, so some of it is innocent sort of curiosity. Um, and in Los Angeles, it doesn't happen as much. But, but you, people do just, they're, they're naturally curious. And some of that is fine. Um, and then there's some, you know, you can almost tell scorn um, and that can happen at airports or it can happen at train stations. It can happen at stores. Um, So you just know that, that there's always attention on you. 
Um, and, and not that moms um, don't have that, um, but it's, it's just the society is more used to women being with children. Right. Yeah. And, um, you know, when you have men with children, there's, there's, um, there's just judgment and, uh, and some of it is not good. And so, yeah, I do think that there's, um, there's, there's pressure on us to, um, be stand up people and, and kind of represent the best all the time. Yes, I, I agree personally that there is judgment and maybe heightened judgment of men and gay men specifically who are in an all-men relationship as yeah. parents. But I want to ask you, there seems to me to be two factors. There is the actual judgment yeah. and there's the fear that exists inside the gay man that he is being judged when maybe he is not. How much of that do you have you personally experienced, and how much of it have you um, seen, you know, around you in the community? You know, if you've had negative situations as a gay parent, gay male parent, especially, I think almost all of us have mm. have had at least one. Um, it kind of colors your experience, and you're you're on edge, and you can kind of make situations that aren't inherently negative negative. Right. Yes. Um, so it's. I th as as I've grown older as a parent, it, I've um, done my best to kind of filter out other people's um, uh, looks, expectations, um, reactions to my kids because it doesn't matter um, if they're gonna, unless they're going to come up and approach me, whether just to ask a friendly question or to berate me, which has certainly happened. Which has happened with you. Yes. And it, it, would you mind sort of giving us the rundown of that horrible experience? Sure. I mean, we, we had a few, but we had a really kind of traumatic experience in the spring. I think it was in April. We took um, my son and my, my foster daughter up to uh, Oakland for a work trip. And my, my husband was with us. And we were going to drive, but... We said, oh, it might be fun to just take the train and get out of the car. And we actually, we left from Los Angeles. We had a great trip um, until we got to San Jose. And a man approached us and just started, um, said, he, the first thing he said was he looked at my son who was sitting next to my husband and I was sitting next to our daughter. And he says to my son, remember what I told you, they're not your parents. And um, we said, excuse me, what? And it just, he just started off, you know, your groomers, your you kidnapped him. Oh, you're um, an abomination. Um, you know he's not your son. And he's you're, listening. Oh he's, yeah, he's both there. kids were right there, and he the, and just saying the worst things. And you know we were telling him sit down, be quiet, get away from us. Um, which just it just got worse and worse and worse. Wow. And uh, at some point, someone I think pulled the alarm because it was somebody it, pulled the alarm. Well, yeah, because it looked like it was going oh, to get, gonna get violent. Violent. So, and there were kids involved. Yeah. And so, um, eventually, you know, the guy didn't back down. He was the kids. You know, had started crying. That didn't deter him. Wow. Um, eventually, two people from Amtrak came over and um, told him he couldn't speak to us like that. And he said, and they said, you're, and he was resistant and said. Um, no, and they said, "Well, you're going to have to leave the train." He said, uh, "I'm not leaving the train. I'll die before I leave the train." And oh so then we knew this was a situation that was not only traumatizing; it was really potentially very dangerous. Right. So my husband took the two kids into another car, and I just stood there to make sure that he didn't follow them. Yeah. Um, and you know, you guys can probably attest to this, but when you're with your kids and something like that happens, you, you 
you don't have much fear. You're like, you're running on adrenaline, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, this was a big guy. My husband's a big guy, but you know, I'm not. And, and he was, I just didn't have any fear. I, I was angry. It was so right. angry. And, um, you know, it, we waited almost 40 minutes for the police to show up and wow. drag him off the train. Wow. Wait, um, you mean the train stopped for all that time? We were in San Jose. We had stopped in San Jose, and, and it happened. I think he was, I see. you know, he had walked over to us. And then um, once the alarm got pulled, the train, you know, and then the, with the, the representatives on Amtrak had decided this man cannot stay on the train. Wow. The train didn't move. And so it was, you know, we were just sitting at the station. And the guy was screaming and yelling at everyone and um, the, you know, just saying the worst things, you know, eventually the, about six, seven officers came Wow! Uh, with huge guns. <laughs> um, well, he, right. Because it's on a, it's on a train on that a train. changes things, you know? Well, he was saying he was going to die. So we didn't know right. if we were going to have a hostage situation oh or if he had, we- I mean, it's Amtrak. You could bring, yeah. you, you know, you don't go through metal detectors. Yeah. We didn't know what kind of weapons he had. So. Um, but he did leave without incident, and um, I could see him uh, on the platform, and they talked to him for maybe 30 seconds, and then the train just started moving, and we left. I'm only sorry that they stopped the train before they removed him from it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I, I want to... Agreed. I want to ask... Uh, two qu- I have two questions about sure. that. So first of all, did anybody else on the train help you? Yeah, that's an interesting thing. N- not really. Um, that's a downer. It's yeah. a downer. And a bit I, surprising to me, I mean, actually. It's... I, I would say I, it's disappointing, but I can understand the fear. This this man was really, I mean, you could tell he was not, to be raging at children, I mean, yeah. you know, there, yeah. something was not right. And and again, no one knows these days if someone has a weapon. Um, I can understand the fear. How do you talk to your kids about this yeah. after? Because there's some damage Yes. Done there. So, so we had to talk to him about, you know, the fact that there are people who, who don't like our family that, that don't understand our family. Um, our family is just as valid as every other family. We may look different. That doesn't matter. There's plenty of kids that are adopted. There's plenty, plenty of kids who are being raised by their, uh, aunts or their grandmothers or, or, or adopted parents. And it, 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 every family's different. And this person is clearly not well in their mind you know most people don't treat us like that um we're talking about uh, stereotypes and stigma here and i think that uh, some of the bad, bad stigma in the church eyes uh on on gay people is the the link to pedophilia i don't yes. know why they make this link all mm-hmm. the time but i'm trying to wrap my hand around what are you <laughs> it's because it's better to make the link between homosexual men and pedophilia than it is to uh, make the link between the clergy and pedophilia. Right. So it's, it, it sort <laughs> of changes the subject. Um, Sorry, listeners, my, please. My, my question is that can we, as gay, uh, the gay community, especially the gay dads community, can we unlink it? And how do you think we can go about it? I think, you know, embracing parenthood is, is definitely a step in the right direction and just showing people that we are, we're just adults and we're just most, a lot of us just want to raise kids. And, um, there's nothing bad about it. There's nothing sneaky about it. There's we're not, you know, and this 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 lie has been going on for decades, and now it's being magnified by people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and and um, you know all, all these people that want to refer to us as groomers. People, you know, poor parents, you know, who are raising transgender children and really just trying to prepare them for for a, a good life in a, in, a, in a world that is so hostile to them. And then you have people like Ron DeSantis just coming down so so hard on these parents. And it's just, it's a cynical tactic. Yeah. And 
Um, they don't even believe it themselves. It's pretty excruciating. Do you think they don't? I don't. I, I Not think... Ron DeSantis. I think this man is a polished asshole. He yeah. knows He knows exactly what he's doing. He's probably has no problem with gays whatsoever, but he's just playing whatever game will get him his next gig, you know? But I, I do want to ask you, I also believe that one of the most effective things that the gay community does is be there, meaning just its presence uh, and its open, but its openness is critical. But that raises a challenge, especially for gay dads, which is how much do you think that it is your responsibility to be an ambassador? To be honest, I don't worry about it that much. I mean, I think when, at least for me, my kids are always the number one priority. And I've learned, especially as I've reached my 40s, to care less about what people think. And I'm never, you know, there, I mean, like the person on the train, I could be father of the year and I'm still, you know, a, 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 an abomination in his right. eyes. There's nothing I can do. And so if people are, there, there's so much judgment with gay people and, and it's just a war you're not going to win. And I, I care what my kids think of me. I don't care what strangers think of me. What about the distinction between, I mean, this is a distinction that I certainly make in my head between hateful people or crazies mm -hmm. on one hand yeah. and the deeply, deeply ignorant on the other hand. I, I feel as if, look, I'm just going to say for me, mm -hmm. I feel like I have a responsibility and obligation to be an ambassador for the deeply, deeply ignorant and anyone better than that. If you're hateful and crazy, there's nothing I can right. do for you. But if you walk up to me in, in the playground and you say, where's the mom, yeah. right? You know, there are people who are hurt by that. There are people who are offended by that. My view is this person isn't saying that from the position of hate. They don't know what they're talking about. And it's my job. This is where this is the challenging question. It's my job to fix it with her. Is it my job? Is it your job? I, I think it's, I, I like the idea of just clearing things up with people in a non-confrontational way. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, you know, if someone says, where's your mom? And I, if I feel it's a safe environment, I'll say, well, there's no mom. We're, we're two dads. Um, and most people, especially on the, on the coasts, will, oh, okay. Uh, yeah, interesting. And I don't think it's coming from a negative place most, no, most of the time. No, I agree. And I think just showing that there are gay parents, there are same-sex couples and gay singles that are raising a lot of children. And we can't just assume that every child has a mom and a dad. Right. Um, they don't, and a lot of kids have one mom, or they're like I said, being raised by a grandmother. And uh, every family is valid, and I and I think we need to step away from the assumption that every kid is being raised uh, with mom and dad in a, in a big house. It's just not reality. It's just we're not in the Brady Bunch anymore. <laughs> I want to listen. Well, my think about the Brady Bunch. Hold on, that was actually true. pretty pretty out there. That's true. Yeah, yeah you're right. I, I want to list uh, the top two. Uh, stereotypes about gay dads that I think, or at least what I see. Mm -hmm. I think the first, the first one is that we're one of the moms, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and immediately, and I see, I experienced it, it at school, like the moms immediately come to us, oh, you know, the too overly, you know, mm -hmm. gay friendly, but on the other hand, it's Just a little bit Just because you're scared of them. <laughs> well, it's a little bit uncomfortable to, because, uh, hey, I don't like shopping, I don't like you know, gossiping with the other moms about what is she's doing, what, you know, all of that stuff. Um, and so the second stereotype, I think it's the desperate, I, I, I'm not going to say desperate, but it's like, 
more of a compulsion need to be and seem perfect. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. we look perfect, we're all like look a certain type. Our kids are, are clean, everything is fine. You, we don't fight. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all perfect, perfect. <laughs> um, I think that's not even um, uh, specific to, to gay parents. I mean, if you look on Instagram, you'll see a lot of... Um, I, I, I certainly follow gay dads on Instagram. I follow just regular opposite-sex couples. And there definitely is a, a presentation being put out there of, you know, we're, we're, all our kids are dressed perfectly all the time yeah. and their hair is blown out. And, <laughs> we're, you know, we, we're tanned and we have abs and we're in, in Maui every other weekend. I mean, it's just, I mean, anyone who's a parent knows that's not the case. <laughs> Usually we're running around trying to get our kids to school and hold down jobs and feed the dog and um, afford to live uh, and put a roof over everyone's head and feed them. And so I, 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 I take it with a grain of salt. I think, I, you know, every parent I know is, is struggling and struggling not, not, not in that they don't love the experience of being parenting. It's just hard. It's, it's hard and rewarding. Um, and I just, I don't know any parent who is just cruising by it's, it's, it's tough, but it's the best thing I've ever done. I'll tell you something. So first of all, I think that Instagram's original sin is exactly what you were just describing yeah. before. It's not just gay dads. But, it's not just uh, parents. Every human being who goes on this platform, no, they aren't. Meta is not a sponsor of us, but they could be. Right. Um, now they can't. But, but, <laughs> but, but now I'm saying that, I'm saying that to, de- to defend Instagram for one second, you know that I'm with you on that, but to defend Instagram, why would you post pictures that you're not right. looking good? I can right? think it's of like a very part of good human reason. nature. No, I can think of a very good reason. If if that platform or any of these platforms was about sharing experiences with the people you actually care about, which is what I remember Facebook being at the beginning, then you know what? When my kids just a minute, okay. when my kids were when my kids were babies, I would call my brother, my friends, my family. Family, and I would weep to them about the living hell. Excuse I was me for in. the minute of like couples therapy here. I'm I'm gonna challenge that. Challenge on you. it. And when you take picture of yourselves and your kids, yes, you're gonna delete the pictures who are not perfect or not to your opinion are good, and you're gonna stay with the one or two that that are good. It depends right? on with whom I'm sharing them. It because doesn't the matter ones, for yourself. Because the ones even that if are, you share it for no, yourself, because the ones that are on my phone from five years ago include pictures of me weeping, literally weeping. So well, no, but thank you for that. I Please, think, let's I, listen to our guest. I think you're both right. I mean, I, I, I when I'm on Instagram, I, I enjoy it, but I do take it with a big grain of salt. I always understand that this is people, this is marketing for everyone. They're presenting themselves in a very specific way. But I'm an adult, so I know that Instagram is not reality. Right. Um, but I think with our kids, when they're entering adolescence, I don't, they've got to be shown that, that Instagram, that Instagram is not reality. I mean, when I was a teenager, I used to watch TV. I'd watch, you know, I'm going to age myself. Go ahead, do it, do it. Beverly Hills 90210. Yes. And think that that's reality. And of course, these were people that were almost 30 years old and they had makeup shellacked on their face (laughs) and they, you know, and they had trainers. And and I thought, oh my God, I should look like that. I should have the hottest friends. I should be frolicking on the beach every day. And um, that's just, no one... You know, my parents didn't sit me down and say, listen, that's a TV show. It's not real teenagers. So I think it's one thing as an adult to look at Instagram and social media and and kind of say, oh, that's fun and it's entertaining, but it's not reality. But I think kids need that 
that lesson. Uh, yeah. where, where did you grow up? I grew up in the East Coast uh, in Connecticut, so okay. kind of sandwiched between New York and Boston. So relatively, it's progressive. I yes. grew up in a place where you look at, even the parents looked at uh, Beverly Hills 90210 and said, oh my God, we want to be like that. Oh. We want to be like the parents. So, you know, it <laughs> really parents, depends on... The parents on, were like, basically the same the, age as the, the south of Israel. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> but I'm saying that, you know, some of them, some of the parents are not... Even, even, you know, grew up in a certain way that um, they even think of them, of that as, a, as adults. I think that leads to, I think a lot of people get depressed when they start fixating on social media and they, and they really start thinking that, that their lives should look like it does in social media. It's, it's, to me, it's, it's fun, it's a distraction, but it's not, it's not reality. And it, listen, I, it took me a while to, it, especially when Facebook started becoming a thing, um, I, I needed that lesson. I needed to know, you know, it was a new thing for all of us, but I think I've been a, around long enough to know that it's, um, it's not a, re, it's not a reflection of reality and I can't compare. Comparing is always going to lead to bad things, comparing your life to others, you know? Yeah. Um, I have a question, uh, about the gay media. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the gay media contributes to the stereotype of gay people and gay men? Because I'm looking at, you know, some of the news, I'm, I'm not sure if it's news, but, you know, now we're treating uh, influencers mm -hmm. as celebrities. So how do we, what do you think uh, the role of gay media in this stereotype? Listen, I think, you know, speaking for our publications, you know, we, we often feature, you know, people who are attractive and, and those do well uh, online and it, they sell more. And, um, but again, it's not, you know, and it's not always, it, you know, we, we definitely feature a lot of, you know, quote unquote, real people who aren't models or actors or, or influencers. Um, but I think it's, it's again, you know, you know, it's expectations people can expect to, to, that everything is going to look like a magazine or everything's going to look like a website. And that's just not the case. I wish, you know, and it's something I'm, I want to push for in the days ahead is, is featuring more queer parents, um, gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, because I think that's really missing um, in a lot of queer media. We just don't see a lot of, I mean, you know, listen, I, I wish I had more friends who are gay parents or queer parents because even in LA, it's it, it's limited. And We're right here, man. I know, I know. It's And it, this is why I'm so glad to talk about it because I don't, I feel like... Um, you know, and th this may be specific to LA, but there's a lot, a lot of people here are not parents. It's, listen, it's hard to yeah. raise kids in the city. Um, and then even fewer are queer parents. And it's a very, parenthood is a very um, specific scenario and situation and experience and yeah. gay parenting even more so. And so I love talking about it because I feel like in my daily life, I don't get to talk about it that much. Most right. people are single and, and that's fine. That's their choice. But um, I, it, it's, it's cathartic to me to be able to talk about the experience of parenting. I think, I think that, you know, it's very natural that uh, parents, not, not specifically mm -hmm. gay parents, you know, they, they have a tendency to have a hard time holding on to their friendships, uh, yeah. with their friends who are no, who are childless. Yeah. Right. Uh, I think the same thing applies to gay men. The bigger problem though is far fewer gay men have children. So yes. your community seems to drop off of a cliff. Mm -hmm. Uh, we've certainly had a similar experience experience and uh nobody is at fault but it's uh but it's yeah. a challenge you I know had, i had a harp i mean i you know someone who was really my best friend and and i i will care for him always i mean really kind of disappeared once um my 
son who's now my adopted son started living with us as her foster son. Um, and it, and it, it, it broke my heart. Yeah. And, um, but I think some people equate parenthood as I can no longer let my hair down. I can right. no longer drink in front of you. I can no longer swear in front of you. And it's really not that rigid. And right. I don't think I've changed really. I mean, I've changed as a person, but I don't think I've, I'm less fun. I don't yeah. think I'm less interesting. Um, you're probably yeah. less available though. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, yeah. it's true. Right? You're probably yeah. less available. And I think that's, and, and, you know, going back to stereotypes, it's a stereotype of gay dads among gay men that, you know, where we can't talk about sex, for example, right. anymore. Right. Or, you know, all the stuff <laughs> that they're, they don't imagine. Have it anymore. We can, I was going to say, yeah. we can talk about it all we yeah. want. The having it is the bigger right. problem. No, what I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying like they, I think that some of the, my gay, uh, uh, single friends yeah. look at me like they look at their their parents right. in some some yeah. sort. So right. all of that, you know, um, and I think you know that's also a, a, a stereotype. Agreed. I yeah, think I, I so think too. I think that um, many women and straight men also would have the same complaint that yeah. they're you know when they got married and then when they had the children, you know, they started being treated by their childless friends as you know their their sexless fuddy duddies, yeah. you know, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's true. And 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 even weirder is that if you step out too much in demonstrating that you're not a fuddy-duddy anymore, it's a little freakish yes. when you're a parent. And <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah, I don't want to see that you have like, I don't know, a sling room when you are <laughs> a parent of, you know, five children. It's just weird. Right, right. You definitely have to make some adjustments. But it's funny how pe some people, um, uh, they have a complex about about kids. And, and I think some people can't separate your experience from their experience, whether they are, they've said to themselves, I never want children, or they've said, I want it, but I'm frustrated that I can't. Um, and I think in my experience, I feel that some people started treating me differently because of their own hangups about, not obviously not everyone, but some people in our lives, they, they have their own hangups about kids, whether they want them or they don't. Right. And we're sort of a reflection of that. And, and um, it's, it's hurtful. I mean, I, I didn't think my life was going to, I knew my life was going to change. I didn't know my, my friendships were going to change so drastically. What happened for you when, if you have any of these mm. examples, when friends of yours years ago had kids, gay friends of yours years ago had kids, how was it for you when the, the shoe was on the other foot? I would say uh, my, my old boss uh, had kids, and yeah. he fostered and adopted, and it was something something I admired. and. And this is specific to me because I think I've always wanted children, mm. but I think I was not envious, but it was something I, I was like, I can't believe he did it. Right. I, wow. It's not easy as a, a gay or lesbian or tr trans person to be a parent. And they somehow did it. Right. Um, I, Alex, I was, did you know anybody? Before we got we became parents, I don't. Think I don't know, I but like I but I will say this: rare. the it's reason rare. why I asked the question, though, is because I will, and I can only speak for myself here. I did have friends who straight friends who had kids, and I had a very hard time maintaining my relationship with them. Yeah. I don't believe it was their fault. Right. I don't believe it was mine. Um, I will tell you that before my kids came, and for some time after they did, I didn't like kids. I didn't want to hang out you know, in a, like, kid environment yep. where, you know, I didn't want to put kids on my shoulders and bounce around. I, like, I wasn't into that. Yep. And all of a sudden, with that couple, that's all I could get. I mean, mm -hmm. every now and then they'd get a babysitter and we could go out for dinner. Right. But for the most part, it was like, okay, 
if you want us, you get these kids with uh, with yeah. us, and it drastically changed the dynamic that I was accustomed to with them. So um, I think that I might be at fault for having somewhat dropped off with some of those people. Yeah. Listen, it's not all, I I can't put it on everyone else. It's, you know, your life does change. There's no question about it. When you become parents, you are less available. You are, um, your your time is limited. And there's certain things that you can do and you can't do. But I, I don't I, I was hoping for more support from from some people yeah. and um, and I understand that their lives were in different places but um, I, I I wasn't ever threatening to always have my children around <laughs> when we hung out or we always had to have my kid if we went out to brunch or, or went out for you know obviously we went out for drinks I wasn't gonna bring my kid but yeah, um, yeah it's, it's funny like know. I feel like I need to apologize sometimes to my uh, gay friends and say hey uh, we're not going to talk about my kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't want them to feel that the fact that I'm a parent means that I always have mm. to talk about this. And how long so, does that last before you before you start usually, talking about you know, your kids? To be honest, I'm really happy to not talk about them because, you know, I have all these, you know, parents and, yep. and friends from school that that's all I talk about, right? True. That I don't talk about other things. So I'm really happy to really kind of direct all of all of my non-children, uh, you know, sometimes it's funny, like they ask to see pictures and I, I don't mm-hmm. even show. Like, Yes, so. I always say no twice. If they ask one more time to see <laughs> pictures, I'm like, all right, sit down. This is going right. to take a while. And then you'd never stop. Never yeah. stop. Um, you were talking before about how there are large swaths of the population for whom gay parenting is disgusting, terrifying, evil, immoral, whatever mm-hmm. it might be. We know the way it changed for gays, right? For the acceptance of gays in America. Not, not, not I mean, that it is changing. Not, not that that's uniform, but yeah. television did it, right? Television characters did it. Um, you know, advocacy. Media did it. Is that the same path for um, LGBT parenting? Yeah, I agree. I, I think it does. Remember there was a, a show that, uh, where it was kind of like a, fa- a swap, uh, family swap sort of thing. Oh, and, yeah, wife swap. Well, it was a different, it was kind of a different variation on that. And I, and I covered it for, I believe, The Advocate. And the one, I think one of the first families was a two two women of color, and they were raising, I think, a, a little girl and a little boy, and they swapped with you know like a straight Christian family, and it wasn't the the fact that they were it was a same same sex couple was not a major part of the storyline, but they just they had an interesting uh, narrative and story, and so. But it's so rare that you see a family yeah. like that. It's so rare. Well, and what's interesting to me is I don't know what the effectiveness of direct focused presentation of, you know, LGBT people and LGBT parents is versus when it is simply present without being the focus. Yeah. You know, um, there was a Star Trek reboot, you know, movie, J.J. Abrams movie a while back, yeah. and, you know, they come off of the ship in, in, in the wherever it is, and uh, Sulu is met by his husband and children. Mm-hmm. No mention of it, no conversation about it. They hug you know, and then they walk away. And I remember saying to myself, wow, that's powerful. First off, I think it's interesting that you mentioned that it was on Star Trek because I was just thinking of Lightyear, the, the Buzz Lightyear uh-huh. movie where they had um, uh, a, a, one of the characters was a woman and she had a wife uh, yeah. and, and, a, and a daughter. And uh, 
so both of those things take place in the future or ostensibly. <laughs> so it's like, we can't imagine, you know, it's like, Oh, in some idyllic, you know, uh, century, there's going right. to be happy same sex parents <laughs> and they're going to be embraced by everyone. Um, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think it's okay to actually have a storyline about same sex parents and the fact that they are some, they're different, you right. know, and not that like changing diapers or getting kids to school is different when you're a same sex couple, but there's different expectations. There's, there's different um, judgment. There's different stereotypes. There's different, um, you know, you can live in a state in this country and it can be, um, you know, the whole state can work against you being a same sex parent or a gay parent. So it's not, it's not the same, but, but there's, there are universal experiences of being a parent. And I think it's okay to just present that as, um, as fact without kind of hitting people over the head. But I, I don't see a problem with hitting people over the head either because right. there's just so little representation of of us anywhere. I agree. I think that there's a balance to be struck because when you hit it head on um, with certain viewers, listeners, consumers, it's going to be frightening for them. It's going to be off-putting for them. Mm-hmm. But when they start to simply see it around them, yeah. uh, it eases them into yes. normalcy, mm-hmm. right? And I agree that both have to exist, yeah. but like any good marketing company, yeah. we have to find a way to present it the right way to the right people if we want to have the effect that we want to have. Agreed. I just want to see more movies. I want to see more shows. I want to see more books. I want to see more Broadway musicals about... <laughs> Sorry. Our experience, uh, you know, just there's, I, I, I can't think of many. Well, Lord knows a modern family did a very impressive, they I think yeah. they deserve a lot of credit. Of course. Um, it was a great show for a long time. And those characters, despite the kind of over the top absurdity of them, yeah. all, all of the characters on the show were right. like, that's always fair. I found that to be really, that really touched it's huge. Me. I mean, that show was huge. I, I, I don't, but what has replaced it? What is it? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. No. I mean, you know, the new Game of Thrones, I'm sure there got to be some gays up in there somewhere, and they're probably killing each other and ripping their entrails right. out because that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, listen, we do have one advantage over the straight people, which is when we're trying to get our kids into the car to go to school, we can play good music for our children, yeah. and apparently <laughs> the straights can't. I don't know why. Yeah. I don't know. My, yeah, my kid has is, is definitely been raised in Whitney Houston and, and right. loves her, yeah. and... Um, uh, you know that he's 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 very open to a lot of different kind of music, and and I think we make a point of it, um, exposing him. To, yeah, to all kinds we've of we've gone down the Nicki Minaj road, and that was probably a mistake. Just being honest here on the podcast, <laughs> it happened. I mean, we like we love Nicki's music, but yeah, yeah. it's not super family friendly. <laughs> yeah, not friendly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, Neil, thank you so much for being with us. Such a great uh, discussion um, with you, and that's all. Yeah. We gotta work on our, <laughs> I we gotta work on our exits. It always like <laughs> <laughs> Well thank you. It's been a pleasure being here and, and talking about this wonderful experience. Daddy Square, the Gay Dads podcast. We're back from the interview. I'm Jan. I'm Alex. And thank you, Neil Braverman, uh, for taking the time to talk to us. Um, somehow it all comes down to music and share. Everything is sharing. I, Everything know, is sharing. Teach your children to share. That's right. Um, so what he said about Instagram, I think it's very important. You know, the fact that he said it's not reality. Yeah. Uh, 
it's validating for me to hear it from him, from, from a guy like him. Like when he says that he look at Instagram and says, oh, this is, I know that it's not real. I know that people are marketing themselves. But, but, but why is it validating when he says it? Look, as far as I'm concerned, a man who does what his, he does for a living is, is, is the antithesis of, of Instagram. He's a journalist, for God's sake. I mean, journalists seem to me, the good ones anyway, seem to me, exactly the opposite of Instagram. They're there trying to cover uh, stories and things that are happening. And Instagram is there to cover this made-up universe of like pretty things and happy things and, you yes, know. Yes, you're right. But, uh, but I don't know if you know this. Well, it's not the, the type of media that you consume, but there's gay media that covers influencers right there's there's articles that are based on tweets oh well yes so you know people are tweeting uh, that, that is blah, actually blah, blah. you're right and that is actually very much true in what is now is what is considered mainstream media that i consume they also base entire stories on what's happening on twitter i mean you're right it's it's an echo chamber of it, insanity it's even i think it's even worse than that that it's not in what's happening on twitter they pick a narrative and yep. say People are saying this. That's right. Even though people are saying everything That's right. on everything. I agree with you. So, um, so it's really easy to, make, to come up with an article on basically everything. Like people hate watermelons. Let's say hashtag watermelons on Twitter no, and we can do an no, article about that. It's wrong. It's wrong because watermelons are awesome. Daddy, SQR.com. So we have the, the homophobic people you know who are who have their own stereotypes and i guess you know neil said that and and i kind of agree with him that there's no way we can change that i it's mean it's just time and exposure yeah. that's all it is and i believe it'll work i'm an optimistic guy but yeah you're not going to go and talk to them and say hey you're wrong let me explain to you how and that's a narrative that uh, we'll go back to it later on the second episode of the two today okay um but what we didn't talk enough, I think, is about the stereotypes of gay dads among moms. Yeah. Because some of them have, like, the notion that we're their BFFs, you know? And, and some of us are very bitchy about that and shouldn't be. You mean okay. me? Okay. Yes, you. No, but I'm saying that as I was editing the, the interview, yep. it made me think about, like, this whole concept of uncomfortable stereotype. Uncomfortable. It's not bad. It's just... You know, it's kind of like when when a, when a mom comes to me like all over joy and extra loving gaze and like think of me something that I'm not. Like I love shopping, I love gossip, I love talking on the phone for hours. <laughs> like all of those things that, you know, they think that, you know, us as girls used to do it when we were 14, like an old school girls stereotype, right? Yeah. They think they're like, we're like that. So it's, it's a little bit But I think that there's something broader than that. You're, you're getting into the specifics of the long phone calls and whatever. But I think that there's something broader than that. And it is good and it is valuable. And what it is, is that if you are a straight woman who is married and has children, um, with all of that, you might feel very isolated. You might feel isolated because your husband, in the heteronormative way of things, which may or may not be the case, may not be as engaged in raising children as you are. One. Stereotype. Two, stereotype. 
I said may not be. Two, your girlfriends who are also uh, moms, you know, you may feel a certain amount of challenge, uh, a certain amount of judgment between you because, hey, are, am I doing it as well as they are, etc. Mm-hmm. And then they come across you, gay man, who has children. And all of a sudden, think about what that means. This is a man, not a woman. The judgment is going to be very strangely sort of different and refreshing if it exists at all. And they get to look at you and say, I get to hang out with a dude. He's not my husband and he's raising children. And I think there's something very beautiful to that. So you know what? Like suck it up. Um, You know what? You're speaking right now. And I love how these two episodes of today are weaving with each other. So it's kind of, it's a totally different subject, Mm. but they're going to kind of, they're speaking to each other. It's like Godfather Um, 1 and Godfather 2. We are exactly like that. We are at that level. Um, So I'm... We're going to c- come back to stereotypes on straight men. That's later not a J-Lo movie, second, by the way, just to say. Men having babies corner now. Uh, there's a lot of misconceptions and stereotypes. Also about surrogacy. Yeah. Um, so here's Ron Paul Dayan. He's the executive director of the organization. He's going to talk to us about misconceptions of surrogacy. This is Men Having Babies Corner. Surrogacy has the distinction of being something that very few people encounter personally. Yet it is the subject of uh, fascination by popular culture and is featured in media and press often with sensational stories. Uh, some of the misconceptions include the surrogate's motivations, the fear that they would want to keep the children that they are carrying, as well as myths that have to do with the egg donation and supposedly the desire associated with a surrogacy for a quote-unquote designer baby. However, set of legal protections, the rigorous screening and extensive ethical standards ensure that the vast majority of surrogates are altruistically motivated, financially stable, and absolutely have no desire to keep the child that they're caring for other parents to begin with. And with regards to egg donation, let's keep in mind that most egg donations are done outside of surrogacy. And in fact, in many surrogacy cases, Uh, the prospective parents are using the genetic material of both or uh, intended parents or indeed of one of the intended parents and the family member. Also, I should mention that contrary to some depictions in movies, surrogates do not move in with the prospective parents for any period of time during their journey, nor are they ever asked to move out of their homes and away from their families during their pregnancy. For more information, go to menhavingbabies.org. You know, I I, I just want to say that it doesn't surprise me that there are tremendous misconceptions about surrogacy. When you think about what our wonderful surrogate did with us and what surrogates do, of course it's going to confuse people. There are so many stories about surrogates being used in so many countries, like in third world countries. These stories made the news. The beautiful story like ours does not make the news. And this is why people believe that this is what surrogacy is, even though it's not. Look, there's every reason to be concerned. I'm glad people are. Uh, But I do think that organizations like Men Having Babies works hard to to try to create what what Ron refers to as an ethical framework uh, for surrogacy. And with that in place, 
the magic of what these people, these surrogates do uh, to create families is, I don't know what to say. That is weird. We cannot ignore the series finale of the parent test on Thursday. And one of the things that they showed um, that they were talking about bullying is you, Alex, saying that uh, you instruct your kids to punch back as defense. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about bullying is our next uh, um, subject for the next episode coming right up after this. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, you know, through the magic of television, who knows how that was cut. Uh, uh, I am not advocating that my children haul off and punch people in the face, you know, willy nilly whenever they feel like it uh god forbid not at all i am a, a, a very much opposed to violence that said this is such an incredibly complicated subject and it's incredibly complicated when adults talk to adults about it let alone when you're trying to talk to kids about it so i i was sitting at dinner with my kids and my husband, and I decided to go in. I was going to go into the conversation about, you know, when is it right to do violence and when is it not? And, you know, we were talking about bullying. We were talking about, you know, what do you do if a kid walks up to you and says something really nasty? Okay, they seem to have a decent answer for that. What happens if a kid walks up to you and pushes you? Uh, now it starts getting complicated, right? And and their first answer was, I I guess good was to respond the way their teachers had taught them, which was you go and speak to a teacher. And I decided, okay, I'm not opposed to that, but what happens if it continues, kids? Like what happens if the next day they push you again or they hit you or they trip you or they, they do something like that? Is it ever going to be okay for you to hit them? And that started... it. I have to say, I thought I was going in a positive direction, but what ended up happening was I don't think at seven years old my kids were quite ready to understand the distinction between um, protecting themselves uh, for repeated violence from somebody else or protecting another versus going to the teacher. I don't know. And then you threw it to me. And then I'm like, okay. So here's what, I, so then I said to them, okay, a sword, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah, that thing? was good. This was good. And that's something my therapist, uh, rest in peace, uh, was, was one of the things she, she taught me. Um, and then I, I, and they were like, no, a sword is a bad thing. You kill people. Right. And then I gave them a situation in which a sword, you defend a little kid who is being attacked by a lion with a sword. Yeah. Um, so is that a good thing or or a bad thing? And now it's a good thing. So it really depends on like how they perceive the situation. And so I think it's not really. They're seven years old, so it's not really sunk in yet. But it's you know. no. But what I was about to say is no. It has not sunk in yet, and it is a very complex subject. But I'm actually really happy we've been talking about it for a while. We didn't just start the other day. That we've been talking about this stuff for a while, and and here's why. I don't think that these discussions alone are what's going to make the difference in terms of our children being violent or not. Our children are not going to be violent. I'm willing to stand here and say that right now because we've raised them with a tremendous amount of caring and empathy within our family. We don't hit them ourselves, which... I'm not sure results in violence from a child if you hit a child, but we don't do it, and, and so that's out of the picture too. So you put all of that together, and I don't believe that our kids are going to be violent. But at the same time, I think it's really important from a very early age that they be exposed to the idea that 
sometimes you have to protect yourself. Sometimes you have to protect another. And it may not always be nicey, nice, nice, go and talk to the teacher. Yeah, it's and it's kind of a, a, a great, like I said, it's great segue to our next episode that uh, that we're releasing as a double episode. The next one is going to be about bullying. Um, but before we stop here and just go to the next page and the <laughs> next episode, um, I want us to kind of close, closing words of participation of the parent test. Do you have any? Because God knows I have. I think we've touched on this before. And I really want to share with everybody something that really matters to us. Um, being on this show was extremely difficult for both of us. It was a very, very emotionally difficult thing. And I think that for Jan, a lot of the reason for that difficulty was the sense that the world may have been judging his parenting. That really was not the issue for me. The issue for me was a great concern that I was participating in something that wasn't right. I don't like the idea of participating in something where parents are judging each other and voting each other off the island and all of that kind of stuff. Um, I didn't really understand that that's what was we, what we were going to be participating in. We talked about the Stranger Danger Challenge, and I believed it was wrong to be televising that kind of thing because all it did was you know stoke fear and anger at a time when that's not really what we need. So I have those criticisms about the show, but... Before we agreed to go on the show, Jan and I had a discussion not only between each other, but of course, most importantly, with our therapist. Thank you, Mark. And we talked about our reasons for wanting to be on the show. And there were two. There were only two. One is, we hoped that the show might have some impact on exposing people to the Daddy Squared podcast. I don't know if it did or it didn't. Yeah, I don't think uh, so. Frankly, uh, I, I care much more. If you're more listening ab- to this right now because of the show, please write to us. Hello at daddysqr.com. <laughs> yeah, let please us know. Continue. We'd be fascinated. Um, but there was a much stronger reason, which is Jan and I, on a day-to-day basis, are not activists. Not. We don't go out there, you know, fighting for rights in Washington, D.C. We don't We do not do a lot of those things. We do this podcast. I don't consider that activism. I consider that community and caring and, and nothing more. Mm-hmm. And so we said to ourselves, well, this is going to be on ABC primetime television. And you know who watches ABC primetime television? Old ladies in Michigan. And who vote for? Who may very well have voted for orange man from the past. Um, I don't know. And so we had this idea that just the presence of two men who love their children just the same way as all of the other parents on the show love and take care of their children might be enough to have a few of these old ladies in Michigan, I don't know why I keep saying Michigan, Florida, Texas, whatever, say, you know, I don't know any gay people and these guys seem okay. Nothing more than that. If it achieved nothing more than that, then it was worth the relative misery of doing a reality show. Mm. Well, um, I have to say that, uh, same to you, I'm not super proud of this. Um, I think it's a perpetuate judgment and competition between parents. Like you said, we didn't know. We even asked specifically, and they said, no, there's no elimination. Yes, they um, do. So, you know, take it what you will. Um, <laughs> I wrote a little op-ed on daddysqr.com about things I learned from uh, the participation. But what I can say now is that to me, it's just I'm looking back at this 
And I think it was just an experience. Like, I yeah. don't know if I'm proud of it or not, but it was something that we did. It's a little bit outrageous to me because I've never thought that I'm going to do this. Yeah. But I have to say that the biggest lesson of all is lesson about judgment because I used to be a much more judgmental person when I entered that, that space. Mm. And when I see, yeah, No, yeah, you can no, say no, 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 no as much as you want. But no, when I, I can I wasn't, see, I wasn't saying it okay. that way. I think you really did have a, a transformation but, during the show. But we, you, you can see, you know, we saw people talking behind our back. We saw people on the internet like saying stuff about us. Yes. Based on what, you guys? Based on a, an edited uh, clip that somebody with a goal in mind to make drama Yeah. And to make uh rate to make money, to yeah. to have ratings. So they created this clip. Based on that, we were judged. The truth is, people, that nobody really knows. This is, you know, my best friend from Israel saw the first episode and she's like, Yeah, the the high dive was nice, but it's not really you. Right. You know, it's an edited version of you. Right. So it reminded me a little bit what we talked about on this podcast right in the, right here uh, when we talked about the sibling rivalry with Einat Natan. Remember yes. that she was talking about how we as parents come to a fight between kids and we see one dot in a whole line of relationship right. and we judge that situation based on one dot that we see. And that's how I think people look at it. Like you can't really know. You can't really know what the situation is, what the relationship is, and what the kid is really like. I agree, and that and that's something we can take away for day to day life because yeah. we see we see and, people and parenting, yeah. and you know, I, I want to mention one other thing that you just reminded me of, though. You know, I think that the show had an idea. I think the producers had an idea that they were going to create a show that had a lot of crackle, by which I mean the parents were going to have a lot of conflict with each mm -hmm. other over how to do this thing. Uh, something interesting really, really happened. What yeah. was interesting is they brought 12 sets of parents on this show, and they brought parents on that are too thoughtful And what ended up happening was they didn't get the crackle. And you know why they didn't get the crackle? Because none of these parents was willing to stand up and say, you suck to another parent because they know better than to do that because each and every one of them, and I have so much, I really, I don't usually say things like this. I have so much love for the other parents who are on this show because they, like we, did not rise to the bait of like sticking it to each other other and saying you you don't know what you're doing as a parent and you're destroying your children and i have a suspicion that they were hoping a little more of that was going to happen but it didn't happen because these are good parents and good parents know better if you look at the series uh from beginning to end you'll see that at the beginning there's much more criticism yeah as and as the season progresses there's less and less of that because the parents get and to know we each get other. to know each yeah. other and this is what happens like it's so easy it's so easy to judge judge people from afar yeah. but when you actually know them and you understand what's going on like where they come from you understand the backstory the whole narrative changes and you suddenly see them see them in the in the opposite and i think and isn't that the story of parenting and isn't that the story of, of sexuality and everything else yeah. get to know the people before you judge them uh all right that's it for uh, this episode episode 100 of that is squared in na, just na, 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 na. okay sh join us in in just a click of a button to the next episode, episode 101, <laughs> 101 of Daddy Squared about bullying. So coming right up. <laughs>
<laughs> Daddy, that's QR.com. <laughs>